Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. Hey, y'all, yeah, for those who don't know, yeah, my name is Jason Lalone, and I'm coming to you from Chicago, Illinois, as Ashton said, um, where I serve on the lead pastor team at Park Community Church. We're a family of 13 churches across the city of Chicago, and our vision is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to all people until there's no place left, no place left to go. Um, Our church comprises of the rich and the poor, black, white, Latino, and everybody else in between. We have over 35 nations represented at our churches, and we're just so thankful for the good things that God's doing in and through us in the city of, great city of Chicago. And I have a great affection for you all because we're kind of married into the family. So my wife, Lindsay, is cousins with Rob Gilreath. Uh, so we're kind of all in the family. And Jerome and I, we go really way back, about 25 years playing in like church basketball leagues way back in the day. Uh, so, but Jerome, when I knew Jerome way back then, like 25 years ago, uh, that's when Jerome was Malibu's most wanted Jerome, okay? <clears throat> like, yo, what up, dude? You know, like, uh, he, he still got a little bit of that, but man, we go way back playing basketball, and this is just a tremendous privilege and honor. Uh, to be with you here this morning. And I send greetings and love from Park Community Church in Chicago. It's just good to be with family here. Um, I'm coming back home, uh, so it's a blessing. Well, let's get into our main business, shall we? If you got your Bible or your device with you, join with me in what's been called the greatest chapter in all the Bible, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and we're going to be hanging out in verses 28 through 39, which you'll also be able to see on the screen behind me. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 39. And what I hope for us this morning to convey is that our passage possesses the greatest words of assurance for followers of Jesus living in a full of questions kind of world. The kind of world we're living in right now, still navigating a virus and its variants, with all the political drama and the wars and rumors of wars, racial tension, gun violence, we're in it thick in Chicago in a four and a half year span of time in one of our in, our, in our, in our church that we planted in Rogers Park, we lost eight young men to gun violence in our church. In a world of immorality, blaming and shaming, slander and division, and I don't know about you, when it seems like all of hell is breaking loose all around me out there, or maybe even inside my own heart, I need to be reminded of what can never be lost. So would you stand with me this morning For the reading of God's word. Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 28. When I count to three, I want everyone to say we're ready. One, two, three. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And you all know what the Greek word for many is, don't you? It's many. (laughs) Jesus is looking to make a big family. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is he who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written out of Psalm 44 here, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. That's the life of a missionary in a dangerous place. Verse 37, no. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, are you this morning, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, those are real, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And all of God's people said, here's what I want us walking out the door with today. Nothing can separate you from his love. Father, we come together in the name of Jesus, in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit this morning. It's a tremendous honor and privilege, Father, just to be able to read your word here in this public place amongst my brothers and my sisters. Now I ask that you'd make our hearts tender this morning and that we'd receive your word with meekness and that we'd receive it as the word of God, which, is, which it actually is, and that which is at work in us who believe and so, God, I pray even now that you'd pour out your spirit, you would enlighten our hearts, you'd encourage us to keep going forward. In the mighty name of Christ, we ask. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> All right, as we begin, I'm simply going to walk through this baby verse by verse. And as we get going, I want to remind us or enlighten some of us that God's big goal for your life is that you're transformed into the image of Christ. That yes, in verse 28, God is working out all things together for your good. But that good in verse 29 is that you're becoming more like Jesus. Which means our greatest accomplishment is not what we accomplish for God, but what he's seeking to accomplish in us. But that means that God's goal for your life is that you're not going to always be comfortable or safe or healthy or wealthy or that you're going to get the house or the raise or the promotion, that everything's just going to work out the way that you want it to work out. If you just like believe hard enough or you do enough of the right things or that everyone's just going to understand or like you. No, God's big goal to finish off the unbreakable chain of salvation in verse 30 is that you'll be glorified. Which is which where your end in this life is just the beginning in another. Where your mind's going to be completely renewed. No more having to deal with the junk that goes on up here. Where your soul is going to be pristinely pure, holy in his sight. 
and where you're going to have a resurrected body and not going to have to deal with all like the, the jiggle and the wiggle. Fit for a forever joy in an uninhibited relationship with him and those who are going to join you. Where finally all that's been bad will forever be undone. And I want you to note here that this is as good as finished. Verse 30 is written in what's called the prophetic past tense, which means our appointed destination of glory is already done. Because God, whom we call Abba Father, didn't send his son to go hang on that cross so that his final redemptive purpose of us being glorified would not be accomplished. God is not wasting a drip of Jesus' blood. The chain of God's redeeming love cannot be broken from when God set his affections on you before the beginning of time until we're chilling with Jesus in the new heavens and the new earth. That's a massive theology there, which is exactly what we need. We have a big God and we need to think about him as such. Now, in verses 31 and following, Paul, the Apostle Paul asks a series of rhetorical questions for the purpose of stirring up your affections so that you have a confident assurance and you go crazy for the gospel in the face of any opposition or challenge you may face. These questions are like a slap upside the head to remind us of God's character and his commitment to us. And the first question is found in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? What things? Well, all what Paul just talked about in the previous verses. And it's if Paul is talking smack to any opponents who think that they could stop God's determined plan to bring us to himself. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Answer, nobody. Now this morning... Ask yourself the question, how do you know that God is for you? Well, Paul just said it. And this is God's word, and God's can't, God can't lie, so it must be true, right? But there is also a moment, you see, God is from the show me, isn't he? He's just not like a talker. He's from the show me. He actually does stuff to prove his love because there was a moment in history on a hill called Calvary where he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all on a cross, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Paul is arguing from the greater to the lesser here. It's, if God has given us the most supreme gift of all, how could he not lavish on us every other gift? If God gave you his son, He's going to give you everything else that you need in order to make it to your destination. You're going to make it. Everyone say it. I'm going to make it. A few years ago, we planned a family trip down to Disney World down in Florida. And it was the kind of trip that you had to save up for a little bit ahead of time and pay for it in advance, right? Uh, so we could secure our place to stay for the week and also the tickets to get into the park. Oh, and I had to get those fast passes too, right? To cut in front of the lines because my two little girls got to have a lot of princesses to see. Well, it turns out that 
a trip to Disney's no joke. By the time it's all said and done, I mean, you're set back a few thousand bucks. But although the destination was already paid for, there's still some things to experience and cover along the way, right? I'm, I'm paying for gas, food, coffee, toys for the kids to keep them entertained, another cup of coffee, more food, like we're just like eating our way down there. The 18 hours of driving, stopping to change diapers, telling the kids to keep their hands off each other, listening to the Lion King soundtrack all the way down, man. Hakuna Matata. I mean, crazy. Two overnights in Atlanta, and then a busted fuel pump. Now, after all of that has been saved up for and paid for ahead of time, and all what we went through to get down to Florida, we finally pull up our minivan into the parking lot. And the attendant says, that's going to be $40, sir. You know that final punch in the gut? Do you not think that I'm not going to pay for that parking? Are you kidding me? I had that 40 piece ready to go before he even asked. Because if, Brothers and sisters, if the cost of the trip has already been paid for and we have endured to the point of pulling up into that parking lot, that 40 bucks is as nothing. In the same way, how will God not grow? On the way to our already paid for destination. God has given up his son for you. He's adopted you as his child. He's forgiven and washed away all of your sins. He has guaranteed your future inheritance and he will meet all of your needs on the journey to get there. And this is especially important to remember when the journey is hard. Because the journey is hard. Public service announcement. This is something to really get rooted in. Difficulty and suffering are expected in the Christian life. You know, we sing the old song with the lines in amazing grace through many Dangers, toils, and snares I have already come. But I am really worried this morning that there may be some of us that that's foreign to because we spend so much of our time and energy and money seeking to dodge it. We think we'll be safe if we move into that neighborhood rather than the other one. You know what? We won't get wounded by someone if we switch and go over to that church. If we do this, then we won't be confronted with that. And I kind of get it. 
But remember that God's big goal for your life is not your comfortability, but that you're conformed into the image of Christ. And if you truly mean business about discipleship, that picking up your cross and following him thing, then God's promise is that somehow all of those difficulties are going to work for the good in accomplishing that. God knows exactly where to take you in order to make you. And that is for each and every one of us. Which means that life is not, like my mom used to say, same stuff, different day. She used to use a different word for stuff, but we can't say that in church. Or it's not this random mess that sometimes life seems to be. No, God's all in your daily routine. Even when it gets disrupted, and especially in those moments. So when you find yourself in a tough season, maybe you're in one of those places this morning. Maybe you're feeling that you're in the desert of loneliness. Whisper to yourself, God is for me. Maybe some of you are dealing with serious doubt and depression this morning. I'm here to tell you to whisper to yourself, God is for me. When you did that thing again, whisper to yourself, God is for me. When work is causing anxiety and you're bringing it home to the family, whisper to yourself, mom and dad, God is for me. When you have to keep going to the doctor, whisper to yourself, God is for me. When it feels like you're failing as a parent, say to yourself, God is for me. When you're crushed by guilt and shame, say to yourself, God is for me. When someone else gets the shine, Say to yourself, but God is for me. When you don't have as much as someone else, say to yourself, I've already got enough because God is for me. When the other person finds that special someone and you're still single, say to yourself, God is still for me. When God says no or not yet, you shout it out loud, but God is for me. Because this text has been tailored to teach us that bad things turn out for our good. Good things can never be forever lost and the best things are yet to come. Because God is for you. And there is nothing that can separate you from his love. Now in verses 33 and 34... Paul's going to take us on a few journeys, which is going to begin here. And he takes us to the courtroom, where some of you all have been in a courtroom. <laughs> There's great power that resides there. Like the judge comes in, he's got the, like the robe. That guy's he's going to make a decision. The jury, it's kind of intimidating. But here Paul takes us to the courtroom and he challenges any would-be accusers by asking the question, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Who is to condemn? Answer again, no one. 
But how's that? Let's think through this a bit because it would seem that we would have a lot of accusers with a lot of evidence. People that we've wronged and people that have seen us do wrong. But not even Satan, the arch himself, who in Revelation chapter 12 is called the accuser of the brethren, cannot cast down followers of Jesus in judgment because this heavenly court is fixed in our favor. And because Jesus is our attorney, we have the best representation. We don't have that cheap court-ordered stuff. Do you see the gospel in verses 34? In verse 34, walk this baby through with me. We may have caught a case, but we aren't condemned. Why? Because Christ died in our place to satisfy God's righteous punishment for our sin. Then Christ rose from the dead as God's stamp of approval to declare that our justification is complete, that declaration that we are not guilty, that it is over. Christ then ascended to the highest position in the universe, and he sits at the right hand of God, and he exercises all authority to save. He is the greatest judge, and he even intercedes on our behalf as our great high priest to secure for us all of the benefits of his death. City Life family, this morning, assure yourself with God's assurance. The verdict is in and the gavel has been struck. Romans 8.1 declares it, for there now is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No accuser or anything else in all of creation can separate you from God's love as you aim for Christ's likeness, stumbling and bumbling as we often do and as we work with him for the advancement of the gospel in this great city. Now as we move to verse 35, we move out of the courtroom. And it's as if Paul takes us to the summit of a high mountain and he looks around. He challenges us with a question on one end and then he stares down any trial which would seek to separate us from the love of Christ on another. And Paul has the credibility to do so, right? Because all of what he lists as possibilities to separate us from Christ's love, we read in the passage. He's endured it and he's still standing. And if anything, it's given him more confidence to face what could cause a crisis to our faith because there's just something about enduring a trial, isn't there? When you go through something and you come out on the other end, it humbles you. But it also toughens you up a little bit. It makes you seem maybe even a little uneasy with others. Maybe a little like Jesus, the humble king who was pretty tough too. which I can't help but think, what do you do with a guy like the Apostle Paul? 
Remember, he's the guy in Philippians chapter 1, when he was sitting in prison under the threat of death, he writes to the church there saying, you know what, here's where I'm at with all this, you guys. You know, I'm kind of sitting here in this cell. It's cold. You know, I'm not getting a lot of my needs met. But here's where I'm at with all this. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. In other words, if I go on living in the body, that means I'm going to keep proclaiming Christ. I'm going to keep planting churches. And I'm going to expect some more spiritual goodness and glimpses of heaven to come. But even if I die, well, guess what? That's even better. That's a dangerous person for the gospel. Because what that is, that is someone who's been set free. And here's a discipleship growth checkup for us this morning. Because I noticed the last couple of weeks, um, you, you all have been talking about discipleship. And you guys mean business about like making disciples. Here's a discipleship growth checkup for us today. Is your dying a gain? Or if you think about dying, will it seem as if you're losing everything? If you are growing in Christ-likeness, if you're becoming more and more like Jesus, he will continually be not only your greatest treasure, but your greatest gain. Serving Jesus in the midst of troubles, hardship, persecutions, famines, or the threat of death is worth it for his sake because he is so valuable. And the reality of heaven with him is so forever that all these difficulties that we face will eventually get turned upside down. Look at verse 37. No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And what the Greek language is really saying here is that we are super conquerors. And that all of those difficulties that Paul has listed have not only been conquered, that they can't separate us from Christ's love, but actually they are serving us. They are growing us to be more like Christ, and they are advancing the gospel. And that's just the way it is in God's kingdom, right? Did you think it was going to be easy? Should I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease when others who sailed through bloody seas? Because in God's kingdom, everything works backwards. The first will be last. Weakness is strength. Greatness is to be the least do good to those who do bad. Who's doing that? Quiet lives shout loud. You become poor to make others rich, and death results in life. Difficult times in the city are an opportunity for the church to be the church. And we have more opportunities to share and show the love of Jesus than we've ever had in my 28 years of following him. 
And the listing of pairs in verses 38 and through 39 is comprehensive in Paul's conviction that nothing in all of creation can separate us from his love. What a salvation and what a God we serve. Let's go share that love with the city. Now, as we get ready to land the plane this morning, I want to make sure that everyone's attention is really in the right place today. Follow along with me closely. Imagine with me, if you will, two Israelite women who each had one son. They were having a conversation together in the afternoon of the first Passover in Egypt in Exodus chapter 12. And if you remember, this is where God finally got Pharaoh's attention to let his people go by killing the firstborn son of those who were Egyptian or an Israelite who did not follow his directions and slaughtering the unblemished lamb and then painting its blood around the doorposts of his house. And one of those ladies who had one son let's call her Diamond, says, you know what? I'm a little nervous about what's going to happen tonight. If I'm honest, Moses seems to be a little bit unpredictable in his leadership. And I'm struggling to trust him in the circumstances that we find ourselves in here with Pharaoh. To which the other lady named Destiny replied, what are you worried about, Diamond? Haven't you slaughtered the lamb and painted the blood around the doorposts of your house? Well, yeah, you know, I'm not stupid considering all the crazy things that have been happening around here, right? With all those plagues, all those frogs and boils and hail and flies. Now there's a threat of death of our firstborn sons being killed by the destroying angel. Yeah, I did what Moses said, but you know, it seems like maybe we should think of something else. Come up with another plan. But destiny replied confidently, bring it on. I'm ready for this because I trust in the promises of God. Well, later that night, the angel of death swept through the land. Which of those two women lost their son? The answer is neither. Because rescue from death doesn't pass over the homes because of the intensity of their faith how loud they shout or how hard they serve, or even the clarity of their faith, that they could explain all the mysteries of God. But it's because of the blood of the Lamb. Dear City Life family, Nothing can separate you from God's love. But don't you ever forget, 
It's all because of him. The lamb who was slain. Father, we bless you today and we give you thanks for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for the clarity of your word. There's no way I could even do that passage justice this morning. So Holy Spirit, I'm trusting that you're gonna fill in all the spots. And Father, as we go our way, even for the rest of this day, may we say along with the Old Testament writers, my soul magnifies the Lord. And that we would be reminded and that we would be rooted in your love, remembering that there is nothing that can separate us from it. Assure us and encourage our hearts in that today, I pray, and so that we also encourage one another. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, y'all, give it up for Jason real quick. Man, I think, you know, we'll, we'll close in a little worship before we get out of here, but to just highlight his point, I think that's just so powerful. That is wherever you sit, through whatever circumstance, you know, he's talking about, you know, all the craziness that's happening. That at the end of the day, what is it? Say it with me. Nothing can separate you from whose love? His love. And so, Katie, if you want to lead us in a little bit of worship, and then we'll close out of here, we'll, we'll, we'll end that up. in that moment and think wherever you feel separated wherever you feel like you mean you're trying so hard just remember like hey nothing can separate you from God's wonderful overarching strong powerful love and you can remember that today you can remember that tomorrow and our goal here is to remind us each and every single week that we come because we're going to be here next Sunday when 10 o'clock and 11 30 we won't miss we'll be here all races all faces and all ages and we're going to keep loving the city till what? Till he makes one life at a time till what? He makes all things new. So guys, thank you for today. So grateful. Love you, Jason. Have a wonderful day. Love y'all.
get connected, learn more, and invest financially, go to citylifelanson.com. You belong here.